Welcome to the Happily Hormonal Podcast. Now, if you're a little iffy on whether or not the word hormonal is a good one, you're in the right place. My name is Leisha Drews, registered nurse and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner turned holistic hormone coach. And after going through my own hormone journey and having my three babies, I actually believe that our hormones are one of the greatest gifts that we've been given as women. And that no matter what you've been told, it's possible for you to have thriving energy, good periods, and a stable mood all month long. And I am here to show you the way. I think it's time to change the narrative around words like hormones and hormonal and start to reclaim the power that we truly have as women, which is the power to change not only our own health, but the health of all of our family for generations to come. Hormone balance doesn't have to feel hard. It can actually feel simple and fun when we do it in a way that aligns with how our bodies were made. If you're ready to start trusting your body again and feeling really good in that beautiful body that you've been given, then grab yourself a yummy drink and maybe a snack and let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to dive into one of the most common hormone imbalances that we see all the time with our clients, and that is an excess of estrogen. So I have Heather here with me, and we're going to talk about really what is going on in your body when there's estrogen dominance and kind of how to know if you have it. Now, I want to remind everyone this is not medical advice. We are not diagnosing you somehow like telepathically through this podcast by any means, but we do want to help you understand what may or may not be going on in your body and some of the common symptoms and triggers for estrogen dominance so that you have a little bit of a direction to go in um, if you are struggling with some specific hormone symptoms. So I'm just going to kind of dive right in and What I wanted to start with is, again, the idea that estrogen dominance is not created in a vacuum. So when we're talking about estrogen dominance here, just focusing on estrogen dominance, just trying to fix that is not the goal of what we're talking about here. But we just want you to understand that there there are common symptoms and common things that can go on with estrogen dominance. So One of the first questions that I get a lot about estrogen dominance is like, what is estrogen dominance in the first place? And why is it one of the most common hormone imbalances? And so I'm going to let Heather kind of start to dive in there. Yeah, definitely. So estrogen dominance, essentially, a lot of times we think it means that our body is just pumping out a ton of estrogen. And then we are just left to suffer the implications of that. But because your hormones, and I think this is a big piece too of what Leisha means when she says hormones aren't created in a vacuum, they all talk to each other. And it's not necessarily this like straight pathway. Like we think of it sometimes like an equation, like, okay, I have X amount of this and Y amount of this, and that equals balance. Your hormones are always um, like flowing. And so when it comes to what is estrogen dominance actually looking like a lot of times it means that your body is having an increased amount of activity at your estrogen receptors. And that can sound really scientific, but I want you to just think about receptors as like the on button. And so essentially you have a lot of estrogen kind of being active when either number one, it should be a time where estrogen isn't active or it should be a time where estrogen levels are kind of controlled versus reaching above a certain point that's creating that excess in activity. And so when we think about, okay, well, 
what causes this? Like if it's not that my body is just making a ton of estrogen, what's happening? And there can be so many different factors, but I find that some of the biggest ones that we really wanted to narrow it down to like two or three is going to be that your body is having a hard time breaking down the estrogen that you do have appropriately. So you're having higher levels at a time where levels shouldn't be so high or that you are essentially missing some of the other hormones that can come in and calm estrogen down. Typically this is progesterone, which I know we're going to, we've talked about before and we'll talk about again, but I usually see that one of the underlying causes for estrogen dominance is actually low progesterone activity. And then, you know, sometimes there are some outside sources of estrogen that even in small amounts are stimulating your body to produce either more estrogen or is hitting those on buttons when the estrogen activity should kind of be turned off a little bit during that specific part of the month. And so when I think about like, why is this so common? I have a million reasons, but I think one of the major pieces is going back to that low progesterone. I find that low progesterone, at least in a lot of the women I work with really is one of the most common hormone imbalances. And I find that that is because we need two things to make progesterone. And I see that women typically can very easily get off in one of these areas. So you need a strong signal from your brain to your ovaries that says, Hey, make a good amount of progesterone this month. That signal is only sent in an appropriate way when your body is not under stress. And I don't mean you feeling stressed out, but I mean, your body is not experiencing a lot of physical or outside stress. then the second piece is that you have to have the right ingredients to make hormones in general. And so if your metabolism has slowed down because it's holding on to energy, if, you know, possibly you're bouncing around from diet to diet, if possibly you're not meaning to eat too little, but you're eating too little, that can be a big reason that we see the body just is not making the right amount of this hormone that really helps to get estrogen out appropriately. And I know Leisha will dive so much further into this, but you guys know Leisha's the queen of helping with understanding how to break down estrogen more appropriately and to fuel your metabolism. And so I think as a you know society, especially thinking about moms and postpartum and even people, you know, trying to get pregnant it's so easy to just kind of have our view. We've talked about this so many times, our view of health and how we should eat and how to nourish our body be skewed a little bit. And I find that if we aren't kind of skewing it in the right direction in a way that's going to promote the production of these hormones, the breakdown of these hormones and your brain sending signals to make the right amount at the right time, then it's really easy for a small imbalance to happen. And then your body realizes, hey, this is keeping us safe. We should keep doing this. And over time, that kind of builds up and we eventually get to this place where we see the implications of that. And a lot of times we Google how we feel and it shows up as estrogen dominance. So then sometimes we go right down the route of like, well, let me lower my estrogen levels. That's not really going to be your answer. So hopefully you're going to kind of walk away from this episode today thinking and understanding a little bit more about what is this actually looking like and what are some of the things that would be a more effective way to kind of understand this. Yeah. And what you hit on a little bit ago was that there are times in our cycle that it is appropriate for estrogen to be dominant. And so estrogen Mm -hmm. dominance itself, and just the term means your estrogen is higher than your progesterone, basically. 
it's not always inappropriate. So that first half of your cycle, when you're working up to ovulation, you are going to have estrogen higher than progesterone. And that is 100% where we want it to be. And what we're looking at is, do you actually produce progesterone? Are you ovulating? And then also, are you making enough progesterone? Which by the way, our next episode is about that. So these two episodes are meant to be like sister episodes. So listen to this one, wait for next week. And if you're listening later, definitely listen to the two together because we're going to be explaining, you know, kind of both sides of it. But estrogen should not be higher than progesterone in the second half of the cycle. And that's where we run into all of these problems and symptoms usually. And so we're looking at, is your body able to process that estrogen well? And is progesterone helping it move out? And that's really where we we look at this estrogen dominance. So I just wanted to make sure that was clear. And so let's just dive into some of the common symptoms so that you can hear us and know like, okay, yes, this may apply to me or no, it may not. Honestly, almost all of the symptoms that women come to me with around their periods can have to do with estrogen dominance, which is also related to potentially lower progesterone. And so estrogen dominance, like Heather was saying, it's not just that you have too much estrogen or you've made too much estrogen, it's about the balance. And so some of the most common symptoms we see are things like bad periods. So lots of cramping, heavy periods, hormonal acne. This can be a piece of hormonal acne. Now there are other hormones as well that can contribute to these things too. So just know it's not always estrogen, but it can be a lot of times. Things like tender breasts before ovulation or before your period, even symptoms around ovulation, like ovulation cramping or feeling extra, almost like PMS feelings around ovulation, acne around ovulation, all of those things can be from your body, not moving estrogen as well. And then even PMS symptoms before your period can be from estrogen dominance too. And so when we're looking at all of the symptoms that can come around a period and we can tie a lot of them back to estrogen dominance, I think it is really important to just double down on the point that it doesn't mean you just need to get rid of estrogen. So I know it's really common to be like, oh, I just need to do a detox or I need to take this one, you know, balance my hormone supplement or something like that. But we're always going to go back to, but why? Why is your estrogen high? There is a reason. And once we start to find that reason, we can start to shift the whole picture versus just trying to put some band-aids on a big old fire, you know, because yeah. that's just not going to work. Yeah. And I want to take a couple of those symptoms a little deeper, if you don't mind, Alicia, just because yeah. thinking through this, I think sometimes that we think it is estrogen being there that's causing a lot of the problems. And sometimes the issue with estrogen dominance is that your estrogen levels, again, even if they aren't necessarily getting too high, it can be that they are dropping too quickly. And that again, is going to go back to the gut and how well the gut and the liver are breaking down estrogen. And if they're doing that appropriately. So if there is, you know, some slowing down of your metabolism to the point where your gut and your liver aren't working really well, then sometimes your symptoms of estrogen dominance are not coming because you simply are reaching levels of estrogen that are too high. Sometimes they are coming because your body is number one, getting used to estrogen being at a certain level, and then it drops too quickly. And then sometimes it is because estrogen is like reaching above that peak that we want it to. And so when I think about the difference here, I'm thinking, okay, if somebody's having 
a lot of estrogen, meaning that like the level itself is too high or that they're having too much estrogen when they shouldn't be having estrogen reaching that peak. I'm thinking about things like low libido, fatigue, low energy cravings, water retention is a huge one. So I know a lot of times if you happen to be a scale watcher, (laughs) not whale watcher, scale watcher, meaning that I used to be one, I am an, an ex you're, you're watching the scale every day or constantly or consistently, you know, that's a different story. We can help you with that. However, if you're noticing that you're having a lot of weight gain, quote unquote, weight gain before your period or during your period, a lot of times that is water retention. And it's, it's meaning that essentially your estrogen levels are fluctuating really quickly. And you're basically holding on to water because estrogen causes water retention. And then possibly your estrogen isn't clearing very quickly. So the water's staying there. So I just wanted to mention those because those are some of the things we see when estrogen's kind of too high in the moment. But then there's also a set of symptoms that you can have while estrogen's declining. So this is where it gets confusing if you're Googling because some of the same symptoms of low estrogen you can be experiencing if you have estrogen dominance. And so what's really happening here is that your estrogen is peaking possibly too high and then dropping too quickly. And as those levels drop more quickly, some of the symptoms that I see most often with my clients are migraines. So people that are having hormonal migraines almost always linking back to a dropping of estrogen. This is where mood swings can feel really bad. And usually that's the case regardless when it comes to estrogen levels decreasing. The reason that we can kind of fix these issues when it comes to having, you know, PMS and mood swings with PMS is because when you have more progesterone, it actually helps to curve and it helps your body to not feel crazy as estrogen levels are dropping. So this is why they play such a key role together. And then, you know, another kind of piece of this that I see a lot is if you are having what feels like PMS symptoms, possibly even spotting around ovulation. That's a really good sign to me that, hey, your estrogen is there, but it's peaking too high and dropping potentially too quickly. And so even though you aren't making progesterone during that phase of your cycle, if we can get you more progesterone when you are supposed to have progesterone, it will kind of shift that balance so that for your next cycle, your estrogen levels aren't going sky high and your body's not getting used to having that much estrogen for too long. Yeah. All of those are so good as more specifics. So I think that's super helpful because I agree when you're Googling, it can be really, really confusing because you have maybe like the low and high estrogen symptoms. And then like, what does that mean? But what I'm hearing in all of that that you just said is that it's because your estrogen and your progesterone are not appropriate at certain phases. And so that's where we're looking back at the balance and at really focusing on nourishment again, because that's what helps drive our body to have those ingredients that are needed and also to be able to detoxify well. So one one thing that I do mean by hormone balance is not created in a vacuum and like estrogen dominance is not created in a vacuum yeah. is that it goes back to the other hormones that are talking to each other. And it also always goes back to the gut and liver, like you mentioned a minute ago. And so when we're looking at your hormones and we see, okay, that there's these symptoms, there's these imbalances, maybe your estrogen isn't where it needs to be. Your progesterone isn't where it needs to be. The but why 
often goes back to not only nourishment, are you getting what you need and truly getting nutrient dense foods? And we're going to give you some actual like quick tips at the end of this episode. So make sure to keep listening and we'll give you something to go on for, for next steps. But also when your gut is inflamed and there's leaky gut symptoms, there's inflammation, there's bacterial imbalance, you're not digesting foods well, there's obviously different layers of issues there. But if you're not absorbing your nutrients well and there's inflammation or or there's inflammation, we can actually see some symptoms that can come up. Even I see these around ovulation a lot of times and around periods as well that can kind of like amplify (laughs) your estrogen dominant symptoms when there's leaky gut, because it can actually trigger histamines as well. And so that's not a big rabbit trail I'm going to go down now, but I want you to understand that if your gut is not functioning well and your liver is not functioning well, then that's just going to basically cause these estrogen symptoms to be more of an issue and can also be part of the root cause of the issue. And so again, we need to be looking at several body systems and That's why we don't recommend just like jumping on something like DIM or jumping on just like a hormone balance supplement because there's always an underlying reason. And even with stress levels and cortisol, when cortisol, which is your biggest stress hormone or kind of the hormone that shows up a lot when we're in this fight or flight mode, your estrogen and your cortisol play off of each other as well. And so when you have not only stress in your emotions, but stress in your body, and it's not dealt with, it's just being like left to run rampant. You can actually increase your estrogen with your cortisol, or it can kind of throw it off during your cycle, as well as you can be storing those things in your tissues. And so sometimes we do see even some of these estrogen symptoms come up during the balancing, healing, nourishing journey because estrogen and progesterone and cortisol, again, they all work together. And so once we start to move these hormones, we start to produce more progesterone, which is a good thing. Sometimes we see estrogen moving and coming out of tissues in a way that actually shows some symptoms. And a lot of times that can feel discouraging or feel like, okay, wait, what's happening? But it actually is a good sign that your body is starting to move and process these hormones. And so I just want to remind you again, that hormone balance is never a place to arrive. It is a journey because we're such cyclical beings and not just in our hormone cycles every single month, but in our cycles of life and motherhood. And there's just going to be different seasons where different symptoms come up. And so when you understand your body better and you understand what your specific triggers are, as well as your specific things that you can do that really help your body, then we can always go back to those at a baseline when things start to shift. Hey friends, sorry to interrupt, but I have something new and free for you. So it's going to be worth it. I just created a private pod course that is going to teach you all about how to actually balance your blood sugar for happier hormones and more stable moods and energy. And I'm giving away the first two episodes completely free. All you have to do is sign up and grab those and you will have complete access right away. Your link is in the show notes and I will see you in there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good. And I think that's one thing I really encourage women with a lot is sometimes when you are coming from the westernized 
kind of medicine world, it's very traditional to be like, okay, this is what my lab says. This is what I do to fix that lab and get it back in the right range. And then we move on with life. But I find that your body knows how to really kind of shift all the players when it comes to hormone balance. Well, if you give your body what it needs to do that, but when we come in and sometimes I see this where like we add a progesterone cream or an oil, or we add an estrogen cream, or we add something that blocks even androgens. Androgens are your male hormones, but you, that's where estrogen starts as testosterone, ironically. But essentially when we start playing and trying to like manipulate this equation of hormone balance, I think of it literally like algebra, like you can't mess with one thing on the equal signs without the other side of that equation being influenced. And so when, you know, we're trying to manipulate it versus just looking at, again, supporting the system as a whole, we miss out on the balancing that our body will do for us. And I think that is absolutely huge because it number one, simplifies something that we've spent our whole lives thinking was so complicated. And, you know, and then number two, when you work on supporting this system, you are naturally supporting things like thyroid health, gut health, brain health, like your skin, like you're really, truly getting to the functionality of what's happening. And that's kind of the difference between what I've seen, at least in my experience with the traditional medical world versus the more functional, holistic, integrative side. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that even in the functional side, sometimes we get a little caught up in the rabbit trails of like lab work and supplements. And it's almost that same like pill for an ill. And I think again, like we just always have to ask why and always continue to go deeper. And I don't say that to make it sound more complicated or like it needs to be harder. I don't mean that at all. I think that we make it harder when we are not looking deep enough a lot of times because those deeper root issues, whether that is your gut or whether it's your gut because you're not feeling your emotions or because you're stressed the heck out all the time. Like there's always more to the story than just, you know, a lab result in a supplement, because I can read your lab results and give you supplements all day long. And if we don't address anything else, we're just getting real expensive real fast. And there's not going to be, there may be some changes, but that's why I don't just do, you know, a lab result by itself because it's just one little snapshot of something. So yeah. All right. And this will segue us really well, Alicia, because I think what you just said too, is like to go deeper. And sometimes that doesn't mean that you have to do more because what you find when you go deeper is actually most of the time going to be a very simple swap that you can just be consistent with. But now, you know, Hey, I'm going to apply my effort into this simple place to start. And so I think that kind of takes us into the tips that we have of like, Hey, this can be really simple, right? It doesn't have to be this very strict and clear. And like, you have to do all of these things. And so I think that's just kind of the cool piece about what you were saying about going deeper is like, when we go deeper and looking at how the body's functioning and how to support it equals a more simplified, simple, easy, sustainable way to do that versus adding more to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes going back to the simple versus the fancy Mm -hmm. is actually going to make things not only feel better, but also work better long-term. So let's talk about some of my favorite tips for estrogen dominance. And again, this is within the realm of, we're not just focused on estrogen here, but one of the things that I will ask every single time is, are you getting the nutrients that you need? 
because we need those building blocks for the hormones. And we also need the building blocks to support your liver and your gut to actually work well. And another piece of eating enough and like getting the nutrients in that you need is that that reduces stress on the body and reducing stress on the body is always going to lead to your hormones starting to feel like they can balance and like it's safe to focus on reproduction. So this is why focusing on making sure that you're getting enough food throughout the day is so, so key. And that actually needs to look like eating whole foods regularly, eating breakfast within 30 to 60 minutes of waking up in the morning and making sure that you're always getting a good quality protein and a good quality carb together at each meal and snack. I will say that until I'm blue in the face, because if you're not doing that, you're not going to get the results that you want to get long-term. You're just not. And I have seen that make all the difference in the world for so many people that I've worked with. So when I'm saying, you know, focusing on your nutrients, focusing on foods that are going to be rich in minerals is really important as well. And so what that can look like is ripe fruit is really rich in minerals. And that is something that you can use as a healthy carb source for a lot of your meals. Foods like bone broth and some of the more traditional cuts of meat are actually going to give you more nutrients versus just doing chicken breast or ground beef all the time, making sure that you're getting something besides just plain water for your drinks as well. So raw milk or organic milk is going to be rich in minerals, things like coconut water, fruit juices, all of those things. Again, with the context of we want to have carbs and protein together to keep your blood sugar balanced, but all of those foods can be nourishing in combinations that work for you. And then there's definitely more that we can focus on with food, but those are the things that are going to be the starting point in some of the building blocks. And then do you want to speak to some of the triggers in the environment or in? Yeah, 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 definitely. So we obviously know that I think now it's gotten pretty popular that most people know like, Hey, there are estrogen mimickers in our environment. And what that means is it can mean two things. They're usually chemicals that can come from either plants or even processed chemicals or plastics or things like that. And they basically just have a structure that looks like estrogen. So when they enter our body, whether it be through absorption through our skin or ingestion, like we're eating them or something like that, essentially they kind of hit that on button for estrogen. And so sometimes that increases estrogen production overall. Sometimes that just again, is something that's adding to that peak of estrogen where it can get too high. And so some of the big triggers that we think about are BPAs, obviously. So water bottles and plastic Tupperware and that type of stuff, it's a really easy swap to just kind of switch on over to glass and ceramic where you can. Another big one I find are our personal care products. So this is why there's been, I think, such a shift into Hey, let's look at things that have parabens and sulfates and triclocans. Triclo- I think I'm saying that right. And some of these basically ingredients that we know can be a little bit not only toxic to ourselves in general, but also stimulate that estrogen production. Deodorant's a big one as well. I know that's been a really big hot topic of conversation, mainly because of your lymph nodes being right there and the increase of breast cancer in our country, like those types of things. And so just kind of, again, doing, I think everybody's at a different spot in this journey. And I think it can feel really, really overwhelming to be like toxic free or to try to live toxin free. And so I like to encourage my clients, like just to kind of take an evaluation of like one small thing at a time. So maybe it's 
is, you know, your cookware. And then maybe next month it's going to be your personal care products and your shampoos and your lotions and that type of thing. I definitely think, and you can go as far as sometimes, you know, it can go deep into like fabrics and clothes. I mean, all types of stuff. But I think if you're just starting where you're at and just trying to figure out like a couple key things for you in the beginning and doing a little bit of research, I really encourage that. Cause I think in this realm, there's going to be different opinions across the board. And sometimes it can be really easy again, to feel almost shame about like not being all the way low toxin. And I just kind of have decided for us, we're going to knock out the big ones and then really kind of try and stay consistent there. And another thing that I think is really important here when it comes to estrogen triggers in our environment is actually our quality of meat and dairy products. So I know that we talk about this a lot, but a lot of times people will avoid soy because it can be kind of pro estrogenic, meaning that it can increase estrogen levels. That can be a whole other topic because that's not true of all soy. However, if you are having more animal products that are a little bit more commercialized, so your, your animals themselves are not being fed grass and soil and minerals, then that is actually something that daily is going to be potentially exposing you to some things that can increase your estrogen levels. And a lot of times we kind of accepted this blanket marketing that kind of got thrown into the food industry of hormone-free meat and hormone-free animals. And I just don't think that's a high enough standard when it comes to someone who's trying to mitigate the effects of estrogen dominance. I really think this is where if this is you and you're having these symptoms, it would be time to probably go straight into some grass-fed organic type products and spend a little bit more money when it comes to your meat and your dairy, because these are the things that are actually making your cells. You are ingesting them daily. And I think that's important. And actually seed oils can be just as detrimental to estrogen dominance as you know, some of the other foods that we typically tend to avoid. Yeah. I would say those are just, I think from that alone, people probably have a really great place to kind of pick and start from what we've shared with, a. you know, I think we yeah. hit more than three or four tips, but yeah. we <laughs> and again, do. don't try to do all of that. Just pick a figure out your intuition is telling you right now, which ones are the big ones for you. Mm-hmm. I would just start with that. Yeah. And I always recommend starting with what you feel like is going to be the most like what you're exposed to most. So whether that's personal care products, like hopefully you brush your teeth every day, but maybe you don't wash your hair every single day. And so focus on the toothpaste first. And then with the food too, like just focus on the foods that you eat most and go from there. And then I also, if you're like, okay, yes, but I want more, I'm going to link in the show notes today. I have a free guide that's called love your liver. And that's going to be my like A to Z, maybe not A to Z, maybe like A to (laughs) F guide to start you off with supporting your liver and your gut in detoxing estrogen in a very focused, slow and steady, holistic way. Okay. So we are going to be talking about progesterone, like I said, next week. So definitely make sure you tune into that and we can't wait to see you there. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today for listening. And I hope that you were encouraged and learned something new. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you be willing to share it with a friend and to leave us a review? I believe that every woman deserves to understand her body and feel great in it. And you can help me in this mission by sharing the podcast. 
If you're also feeling like you're ready for the next step and you're really ready to dive in in your hormone journey, my course Nourish Your Hormones is created specifically for you. It's a step-by-step blueprint to increase your metabolism, restore energy, and have better periods and mood every single month. I would love to connect with you. So come over and join me on my Instagram page at Leisha Drews and send me a message if you have questions or just want to tell me something that you enjoyed about this episode. I can't wait to meet you.